Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Okay, thanks for joining us for another episode. We're going to jump right back into our interview with Todd on making disciples while you are working a full-time job. If you remember from the last episode, actually, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to it. If you have, he had just talked about his strategy was basically he was using his lunch hours or other time to kind of just build some relationships, figuring out who was somebody that was interested that could be very open and real with him. And then he was using his time after work or he was creating time for those people that were really committed that he really felt like the Lord was leading him to disciple that he could be real and genuine with. So we're going to jump right back in there. Yeah, would it be fair to say it's almost like you're using your lunch hour to like mine around, searching around for building relationships, but also searching around like, okay, who's the person that, that God has for me to, to spend the time with? And like you're using time that's kind of, it's free time. It's You're, you're already going to use that time. It's away from home anyway. And then that's right. And then the time that you're taking from home, you're putting that in the guy or guys, couple of guys. Is that a fair? That is incredibly accurate. Yeah, I mean that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And sometimes you find those people through group lunches, right? Where mm-hmm. a group of coworkers is going out, um, but you really hit it off with one of them in particular. You always find yourself gravitating to that one person, mm-hmm. and they're asking really good questions about, about things. You know that obviously is the way to do it. And like you said, you're already away from home, which to me, I mean, I'm a lot better spending time talking with people like that at on work hours than I am uh, taking time from family or from other obligations I have. So you're supposed to do that at work. You're supposed to build those relationships and that's considered a good part of business. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like having good coworker relationships or knowing who you can count on and all those things. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. The good thing that I found going back to discipleship in the workplace is you're with each other all day. Yeah. Which for me and the guy who has become a peer has been incredible because I live with him every day and he sees me interact with coworkers and sometimes inappropriately and saying things that aren't really that encouraging or aren't that good, which I think is actually better than like if mm-hmm. I'm discipling a guy at church, I see him one, one hour on a Sunday morning. He really doesn't know what I do at work. It's been remarkably transforming to have a guy that I've discipled sitting in the cubicle across the hall, listening to everything I do, everything I say. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, with my daughters, that's similar too. You're, you're always in, they see the worst parts of me uh-huh. as well as the best parts of me. And, you know, it's it's that kind of transparency there that uh, really, I think, builds relationships and ultimately allows you to speak into someone's life. Yeah, yeah, so. I agree. One of my best times, I didn't understand ministry at all, not ministry, I didn't understand discipleship at all, but when I was in the Army, you know, because you, you worked with them and then you lived in the barracks with them, and, you know, <laughs> like, there was just a lot of that. It, who you were was pretty well known. And I've always kind of wanted to recreate that, and I've always hoped that, like, I've had some different business stuff. I always hoped I could recreate it, but I never never quite been able to, to yeah. recreate that. 
What about uh, if yeah. you if you if you thought about your life ten years from now, assuming you're still God still has you in the in the working working world, what do you hope discipleship looks like for you then? Well, you know, I hope some of it looks the same as it does today. Obviously, I mean, there's some some things going really well. I think in ten years from now, it would be cool to look back and see the lineage, mm. and I still find that to be pretty cool. Like at the BSU, you know, people that were in my, I call it lineage. I mean, it's not that, I think that exalts it too much. I just, it's an impact though that you've had on the world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my, one of the first disciples I had is a, he just, um, he pastors a church here in Albuquerque Mm -hmm. and it's just cool to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has, he has far surpassed me in Mm -hmm. every way, every Mm -hmm. way. He's a, he's just a better person. He's a theologian. He's encouraging. Uh, he challenges people. He's a real leader in his field, which is now ministry. He's impacted the world, I think, in in many ways. Uh, there's a lot of those men in my, you know, a, a, a guy that he discipled is now a pastor down in Deming, New Mexico. Uh, and you know, I visit with him. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, man, there's these pastors in the world that I was yeah, able, I, had a part. I had a, I had a point in their life where I got to, you know, talk to them about life. And so that lineage 10 years from now, seeing how it would impact the workplace mm-hmm. would be really, I think, um, you know, what I would like to see is there's, there's senior managers, there's directors, there's perhaps like lab directors for where I work that, you know, the upper echelon of management are men who are workers for the cross of Christ, who you know that their lives matter, you know that they believe in a higher purpose, you know that the people that they're influencing day in, day out are being impacted by the gospel and by their influence. I think 10 years from now, it's, it, it would be really cool to see just that broad of an impact in the, mm-hmm. in the corporate setting. Um, you know, and you know what else would be cool is, is 10 years from now, some people have quit, you know, they've quit six figure <laughs> jobs and decided uh-huh. that they're going to go to the mission field because God has called them uh-huh. to do this, you know, or some that maybe this guy that started this Bible study, he's like, man, the pastorate is where I'm headed. I'm going mm-hmm. to seminary, you know, leaving this job that, you know, in all in all cultural significance, you shouldn't leave. You, mm-hmm. you just shouldn't leave it. Uh, it would be awesome to see people who didn't leave it and are making an enormous Im- impact in the corporation for Christ. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to see people who did leave it and went to what God had called them to on the mission field or whatever. You know, God God calls both ways. He calls to stay. He calls to go. He calls to be in ministry, and he calls people to not be in ministry. But I think. It'd be awfully purposeful for me to see both of those 10 years from now and a a really huge impact on where I work. Mm -hmm. So that would be cool. Yeah. That's kind of all my questions. What, is there anything else that you, that you, you want to want to throw out there that I haven't asked you? You know, I think the one-to-one, I mean, you and I have actually talked about that before. Mm -hmm. You know, how does that look one-on-one versus group setting? Um, and I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't take a hard stance on that, but I would, the one thing that I have, have, have seen through experience 
is that no matter their belief, you know, I had a, one of my best friends in graduate school was a Muslim guy. He wasn't real transparent around his cohorts and people that he normally would, would hang out with. But with me, he got really very vulnerable and very real. And there's something to that. And the guy that I talked about in Asia, you know, similar. And, and I think there is some degree on that one-on-one that builds some sort of transparency that it does seem to span most cultures and most ideologies, that there is something to that one-on-one vulnerability that, that isn't true in a group. Even, even a small group, it's not always true. I, I've thought a lot about that. And there probably are circumstances where it, it works. Mm-hmm. I've thought of a couple of people that when I was at the BSU, there's, there's these two guys and now they're, you know, one's on the mission field, one's pastor of a church. Um, and they were, they were transparent and open enough with each other that if someone said, I think I can disciple those two guys together, I would have said, yeah, probably you could because of their willingness to be that open with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are circumstances of that. that that's one thing that, that I would add on there. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that is kind of important. Yeah. Uh, talk- but it's, it's been a challenge too. And I think, I think I would say that to everybody. I, I have felt more discouragement in my thirties. So I'm 40 now Okay. because 30. So I started working that nine to five job, which actually it's like eight to six, but <laughs> uh, working that job, I have been more discouraged through the thirties than ever before. And I think Part of that was leaving ministry. Part of that's being away from encouragement. Part of it's not having any significance, right? And and I feel like you know being in the BSU ministry, being a director, being a overseas on the field as a missionary, <laughs> it's like you get some kind of clout from that. That people admire you in your ministry and what you know. And mm-hmm. no one gives a rip in the cor- corporate world what you've done or where you've been or what you know. That that means nothing to them. And I think that was hard through the 30s. And I think I would, I would encourage people that though it was much slower and though the 30s were really hard and working every day is hard and seeing the purpose in that is very, very hard sometimes, there can be huge gratification in that one guy that I had mm-hmm. that took hold and is now working for the gospel. It, you know, my wife and I often say, you know, what, what, what happened here? You know, what, what's going on in our 30s here? Um, you know, our church life has been kind of hard. And, but, you know, that one person, right, is that, is that worth it? You know, is this one guy who became a worker worth it? And yes, the answer is yes. He, he's totally worth it. I mean, he's totally worth the time that I've spent, the frustration that there's been. And hopefully now it gets somewhat easier now that I've kind of experienced it, um, right, is, Maybe it's getting, maybe it'll get easier from here on or lessons learned. But I, I feel like there's some encourage, encouragement to be said to the people in the workplace. I, I know how it feels. I know how it feels to be purposeless or that I don't have time. And, and part of it is you got to carve out that time. And part of it is you got to find the right person to give the time to. And yeah, but there's an encouragement there that, hey, you're not wasting, you're not wasting away unless you're just not trying anything, right? Yeah. Not trying to right. disciple is probably the worst mistake to be made is to say, well, it just doesn't work in the workplace. I think that's, that's the only failure that there is because it's not, it's not true. It looks different and proselytizing in the workforce is not something that 
you should really do. I mean, it, it can get in a lot of trouble, particularly if you're a supervisor. I will say too, James, one other thing that I'll add. Uh, there's a brother, <laughs> he and I have worked together for the last eight years. Love him. He's a great Christian man. Uh, we disagree theologically on a lot of things, but we still love each other. He tries to turn almost everything in the world towards the gospel in the workplace. And so he does get labeled kind of the Jesus freak of the office. And uh, it's interesting to see that he does have, he has impact. But is that more of a, one question I've had is, is that more of a deterrent from really being able to influence people? I mean, there's a, there's a balance to be found of turning off genuine people uh, by being too blatantly crazy about it, as opposed to building that relationship. I mean, we want to be bold with the gospel, but we also want to be able to bring people in. And so that's a balance that you find in in the workplace um, because you you know regardless of how that goes you're going to be with them every day and they have to live with you every day and so if they start hating you that you know every chance you get you're going to talk about the gospel and they just you know they get to where i'm not going to that meeting because he's just gonna you know they don't want to hang out with you um, so i think that's something to be careful about in the workplace is that man this is a this is a long-lasting situation and so be careful how you approach it because you could be there the next 20 years with those same people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've heard, heard two things that kind of speak to that one uh, guy named Daniel McNaughton that I've had on the podcast earlier, listening to a webinar with him. And he said, basically he said, I ask enough questions until I get to the point where I know them enough that I can present the gospel in a way that would, that would be accepted and listened to. Uh, and I thought that was really good. good. And another That's guy good. was saying, basically, he's like, I don't want a premature birth. You know, like, I want them as <laughs> Christ is working in them to bring them into the kingdom of God in Christ's time, not to not to force a conversion early. You know, and there is that urgency, like, what if they die tomorrow? Yeah. But God knows. And, and I want to be working towards it and moving towards it. Yeah. And then when they're born, hopefully they're healthy and they don't need, they don't need, you know, intense the NICU for, for three months because they were born born three months too early. That's um, right. No, they're ready to start eating, start growing. and Man, those are great, great uh, words of wisdom there. Interestingly, you, you reminded me of a guy that I was really kind of building a relationship with. And, um, man, he drank a lot. And he'd come in every weekend, tell me about how he got toasted over the weekend. I'm like, man, I'm glad you survived it. And it almost became a joke on Monday morning. Hey, you survived the weekend. Mm-hmm. But really trying to get him to the gospel. But, um, you know, one thing I live with, it makes me really sad, is that uh, one Monday he didn't show up. And he he went through a barbed wire fence on his motorcycle doing about 100, and he, he's gone. So that, I mean, the truth is, the reality that that hits me with, you know, I still, on our IM at work, um, for the for the next two, three weeks, Underneath his name, it said presence unknown, mm. which is what happens when people leave the corporation. I thought how how interesting that says presence unknown. Um, he and I talked about the gospel lots of times. He'd had some experiences with it early in life. And I don't know. His presence is totally unknown to me. And that hit me pretty profoundly that there is an urgency here, you know, that people don't come back from the weekend sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And in my, you know, in my heart of hearts, I am an evangelist. Like that's, I think about the lost more than I think about the, like, that's where my heart like gets pulled, if you will. But I'm slowly yeah. figuring out that like the only way to really reach him is you got to train other people to, to be able to go and reach them and train people. Like that's the only way the gospel gets into communities and farther than you can send it. And, uh, hmm. That's why Jesus gave it to us. Yeah, that's right. Well, brother, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you carving out some some work time for me and uh, taking that away from your family. <laughs> Absolutely, James. It's a pleasure to talk to you as well. Nothing, uh, nothing more fun to talk about than discipleship for me. So um, I really enjoyed it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I think he shared a lot of really interesting things. I think you can definitely take away that it is hard. It's not pretty simple but it's not easy hope you also picked up some really good strategies of how he uses his time that i'm going to call free time time that he's already away from home lunch times these kind of things use that to look around to see build some relationships and figure out who he wants to invest in and then for the guys that you're investing in that's where he's really taking time away or carving out time for those things for those priority relationships Anyway, I found it really enjoyable. Hope you did as well. Hope you're enjoying this podcast. And I hope that this is encouraging you to make disciples. I will say this on a personal note. I don't know if I can overemphasize how important it is to pray about who God wants you to disciple. And I know sometimes in my life, I'm anxious to get started, especially since I have a podcast on disciple making. You know, and sometimes you jump into discipling somebody that's not quite the right thing and it, it takes energy from you. And it's not a, it's not the world's worst thing. I would rather make the mistake of jumping into it rather than just not discipling anybody at all. But I find those ones where, where God just really opens it up and says, you know, I think that that might be a, a good one. Those relationships go farther and you can see more effect from your disciple making. Anyway, if there's some way we can encourage you, do let us know. We appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next time.